Hi, and welcome to The Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Melius, and I'm so glad that you're here, and I can't wait to introduce to you today, Sana Fayaz. Sana Fayaz is a creative who loves being a student of life and enjoys the beauty of a beginner's mind. She took root in the crowded streets of Pakistan, sprouted in the crowded jungles of New York, and bloomed in the deserts of Saudi Arabia. Sana, known as the sacred keeper of memories, relishes in gathering meaningful moments through writing as a way to connect with humans and build bridges across chasms. Currently residing in suburban New York with her husband and three daughters, Sana is just a furry pet away from living the white picket fence American dream. Let's dive into the pond and meet Sana. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to introduce to you today, Sana Fayaz. Sana, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It's my honor to be here. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so happy to have you. So would you please tell me about how you got into writing to begin with? Well, when I was a child, I was always writing. I was writing poems, and uh, but those poems were strictly for me. I did not share them. And then I was in uh, writing classes, and my teacher said, you're actually a good writer. Maybe you should pursue this. And uh, being a Pakistani and a South Asian woman, that was not a choice I had at the time. It was either like be a doctor or an accountant. Writing is something you just do for fun. And okay. as time went on, you know, um, this past year, it was a difficult year for many of us, but it's also gave me time to think about what I really want to pursue in life. So I started writing, I started sharing my work and that's how I'm here. Oh, I love that. And I love that you, uh, would you talk a little bit about the courage that you obviously have and exuded to decide to follow a passion, to, to do something a little different than what might've been expected? Well, um, so all my writing, it was just buried in my journals. And, uh, you know, that was nice for me. But then I thought maybe, you know, when I read somebody else's work, it gives me so much that it makes such an impact in my life. And I thought maybe I can have that kind of impact on someone else. And how will that happen if I don't share it with someone else? If it's just sitting there in the corner collecting dust, it's not going to help anyone. Um, and I do have those feelings like, oh, is your writing even good enough? You know, all the critics come out. And then I think maybe, you know, somebody just needs to hear my imperfect voice just the way it is. Oh, I love that. I love how you said that, that, yeah, even when the critics come out, that little inside voice that's sitting there going, are you kidding? Was that really a good thing to write? And to realize you gave yourself permission to let that imperfect voice. Wow. I love that. That is awesome. So then going off of this imperfect voice, how do you know when to, or how did you know when to stop polishing the stone, if you will, and then make it move another step forward? So I was sharing my writing within this group of other creatives and they gave me really valuable feedback. And uh, you know, these are people who are really well-read and I trust their judgment. They said, this is really good work. And then I still had my feelings like, oh, are you sure? You know? And then I had to just really abandon that thought and have trust in myself that, no, this, this is good. So there's a time that comes, you know, it, it's good enough. So let's just publish it and see what happens. Very, very true. Very true. Now, did you work with uh, an editor to help get your book to that next level? 
Yes, I did. And it was very fascinating to work with an editor at this age. <laughs> at first, I was like, oh my God, I'm back in school with, you know, like my grammar mistakes and what could improve. <laughs> That's awesome. But did you feel like that experience helped to make it a better product for you? It definitely did. Yes. And I saw my blind spots. So that Ooh, was yeah. Okay. Talk about that. What do you mean by seeing your blind spots? Well, there might be, um, so let's say if I'm saying something, right? And then I'm thinking that it makes sense because I know all the backstory, but you, Jennifer, might be like, okay, what's that? Can you explain a little bit more about that? And how did you get from point A to point B? So it comes across different, like the stories that I'm telling in my head might make sense to me, but it might not make sense to another person. Very so true. My, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Just, my words so that it makes an impact. Absolutely, absolutely. And sometimes the way we think about something makes sense one way, but to actually teach it, if you will, if especially if it's a nonfiction book and you're trying to teach a material or help that reader have a transformation, it, need, it might need to be adjusted differently in order to help that reader get to the same space as you. Yes, exactly. So mention the name of your book. It's called Chai Chats, Personal Essays to Fill Your Cup. I love that so much. How did you come up with the title? Oh my God. So if, coming up with the title was another different thing altogether. I had all these collection of essays and I'm just thinking like what ties them all together? And uh, I just, I, I think I had a little party with my sister and her friends. Um, can you guys help me? Like, this is what my S's are about. And they were throwing names at me. And I was, you know, we had this brainstorming session and it was just awesome to like, finally it landed. Like one day it was, this is chai chats. And I think I was making chai at that point <laughs> when that, you know, that information popped in my head that this is going to be chai chats. Oh, but I like that because to get to a cup of, of chai tea, it, it, there's more that goes into it than just simply tea leaves. It's actually a lot of flavor and a lot and a, a few different flavors that go in and it's just the right mix too, to have that, that perfect blend. I had a chai earlier today, actually, just in honor of this conversation, I was super excited about this. So. Yeah. And once I came up with the title, it really gave me a way to organize all my essays. Would you talk about that? That's really cool. So as I was brewing my chai, I was thinking about my essays. I was constantly thinking about them. So even when you're not writing, you're actually writing your book. <laughs> yeah. That was some, uh, something new for me to experience. So I was, uh, as I was brewing that cup of chai, I was thinking, okay, you know, before you make chai, you need to gather these resources. You have to have the black tea leaves. You have to have water. You have to have milk or sugar if you prefer. It's kind of like gathering your inner resources and then you throw it all in a pot and you're waiting for it to boil. And if you leave that pot right there, you know, that could just boil over and make a mess. And that's how life is. You know, it gave me like a really great metaphor for life. In the heat of challenges, you have to remain there and be present or else it'll just be a mess. And then after that, you pour your cup of chai and you get to enjoy it. So I divided my essays into three sections. The first one is gather your inner resources. The second one is boiling in the heat of challenges. And then the third one is, you know, just pause and savor the moment. Oh, I so love that. Now, one of the things that to me, when I think of chai, it has a, a sweetness element to it. So 
but it also has a little bit of warmth or some might even consider heat depending upon the type of spice like a cardamom or cinnamon so again like chai so <laughs> but so there's the balance too if i'm as i'm listening to you between sometimes we experience something that's very sweet and sometimes we might experience something that's a little bit too warm or too spicy for us um, so striking that balance so that there's you know that there is balance for us yeah exactly and i go into how everybody's chai is very different like my husband he prefers his with cardamom mm. and i prefer mine without cardamom Mm -hmm. And that's how our life is, you know, like we get to engineer our own life and we all have very different inner resources, inner strengths. That's really, really cool. And so when you were thinking about the structure of the book, when you were thinking about how all that came together, and I love how you described that and, and, the, and the naming of them too, because it ties so nicely back with the title, but yet it, it, it's also about that reader's journey, that reader's transformation. They start in a nonfiction with one mindset. They've picked up your book for a reason. And at the end, there's a transformation. Once they are done with your book, there's some kind of transformation that they have experienced. So what did you want your end reader to feel or do once they completed your book? So chai, Pakistani chai, and also in India, it's basically a ritual. It's not really, you know, like a drink. It's far beyond that. It's an invitation to slow down. So when you are, you know, in gatherings, we all have chai, we sit down and, you know, we just enjoy each other's company. And even when you're alone in solitude, you know, you give yourself a break and you enjoy that cup of chai. So I just wanted to bring that to the readers that, you know, life is really fast. But to be human is to slow down and actually have these rituals and practices built into your life where you give yourself that time to pause and, you know, not even think, just be. How difficult do you think that is at times to do? It's very difficult because the kind of life we're living nowadays and um, in order to be like successful, we're told that we're supposed to be in this rat race. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that. So it, to me, it feels like your book is also giving the reader permission to go within, to just allow themselves to enjoy that space. Hopefully they've also brewed some tea and to just savor that moment to really just take it all in it's and, and to be present in that space with your book with that chapter with that essay that they've read but they're being present with it now when you think about what for the for the different essays that are included is there something in there that the reader is to do after they've read that essay or is it more just reflective if you will it has more of a reflective nature there's nothing that i you know i prompt them to do it's just sit down and maybe it'll inspire them to reflect on their lives. Like what are their inner resources? What are some times that they have had to bear challenges in their life? And are they, do they have practices in their life where they can just sit and enjoy the moment without like, you know, being hard on yourself? Because oftentimes we are hard on ourselves. And sometimes it feels like a guilty pleasure. Like, oh my God, who am I to just sit down and have a cup of chai? And my kids are running around. I should probably, you know, 
look after them. <laughs> and you're right, it is about giving yourself that permission. I think that's really, really cool. I think that's, I think it's beautiful because it's, sometimes we give so much to so many others. We are, um, we're taking care of our home or we are you know, doing things at our, for our job, for serving others and to obviously to be able to provide for our families and such. And it can sometimes feel like you're doing so many things anywhere else, but have you taken the time to refill your own cup? And it's hard to pour from an empty one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It is so easy for us to give to others, but we don't give to ourselves often. So when you were organizing the book, did some essays feel like they could have fit in one section or I mean, in more than one section? And if so, how did you decide where it should actually belong? That is such a good question. So I took personal liberty. I, I thought that, okay, there were some essays where, you know, it was like inner resources and uh, I did deal with challenges and problems. So I just, you know, I thought where there were some challenges that were so difficult for me to face. So that's where I kept them, that this is something that was clearly a challenge. And this is something that, you know, I was discovering my inner resources. I love that. I think that's so, that is so, so cool. So do you also, do you read in other genres or do you read um, other nonfiction books as well? Yes, I do. Yeah. What's your favorite? Uh, I love David Sedaris. I love uh, this Pakistani author. Her name is Moni Mohsen. And uh, this recent one that I'm, I'm reading, it's called The Return by Hisham Matar. So what, um, how do these, how does reading help you as a writer? Reading helps me a lot as a writer because um, as I'm reading, first of all, I'm, uh, you know, the language that they use. It's like, okay, maybe perhaps I can use this and the way they put, you know, I'm able to put myself in their shoes. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of empathy that you need as an author and just seeing that. And I hope that it translates into my work as well. Oh, I love that. That's a really good point because whether or not you're writing fiction or nonfiction, the empathy element, it comes through a little bit easier in some ways with fiction because you can, when you're reading and then there's this character that you embrace or that you really don't like, you know, but you have feelings about and feelings for, that's powerful. With nonfiction, your reader is really that hero going on this, this journey that's helping them, that's helping them to discover or to have some kind of change or something that they want to achieve because, and your book was instrumental to help them get, get there. Um, so when you were writing and you were talking about that, that little voice that wanted to come up, um, what was, was, was there something in particular that helped you to truly just overcome it? Or did you kind of recognize that you needed to deal with it in a, some way, like saying, you're kind of helpful, but not at this moment. I don't need you right now. I need you a little bit later, but not right now. How, how did you really work through that? Because I know a lot of writers can get stuck and stuck in their head in a way, and it can stymie or even stop their process. Yeah, it's so interesting you bring that up because as a writer, you know, you're writing alone and uh, community really helps. Like uh, when I started having community, 
that's when everything changed for me. That was a big game changer. Uh, I'm an introvert and uh, I thought that I would just work best alone. <laughs> but in creative endeavors such as this one, like writing a book, it's very helpful to have peers along with you who are also writing a book. So you can just help each other. Like one day, one person might feel low and the other person's like really high. So that person can bring you back up. And I think that's really very important to have that because you, everyone's gonna have that inner critic come at you. So that community was really instrumental in just keeping myself going. I love that. And you're right about having a community, whether it's just one person in particular who you are each other's you know, buddy and like a reading buddy or a critique buddy that you're helping each other, you're motivating and help each other, or whether it's a, an actual community of multiple people in there. How did you, how did you find your group? So in 2020, um, I was writing alone. <laughs> and one day I uh, saw an email about the Creatives Workshop, Seth Godin's Creatives Workshop. And I thought, let me just give this a try. So something within me, it was something very um, intuitive on my part because I'm not used to like going out there and just, I just wanted to do it. I knew this was something good. Um, Seth was talking about, you know, schools never taught us to be creative. <laughs> yeah, that's, I so get that. So I joined the creatives workshop. After I joined it, I learned for a hundred days, I have to show up every single day with some piece of written work. And there's a community of people. And I thought, oh my God, can I do this? Like a hundred days is a lot. <laughs> then, you know, That's awesome the way you said, oh. <laughs> yeah, what did I get myself into? <laughs> and then along comes COVID and everybody's you know, under lockdown. And from that, a beautiful community emerged where we were just talking to each other on Zoom. We had these uh, weekly open mics where we would share our work. People would bring like their music, you know, their stories. And some of most of these essays, I actually got to read them out loud on these open mics. And that's how I would, you know, change them. So I just felt like, oh, I'm David Sedaris reading these essays on Zoom. <laughs> that's awesome. But that's, that's wonderful because to, one of the things that I will do when I'm writing my own work or editing someone's is that I read it out loud. Reading it out loud does something, especially like for my picture books, for instance, I'm reading out loud for the rhyme and the beat. But when I'm reading other pieces, like even an email, reading it out loud helps me to catch errors, helps me to catch if I have the wrong word, helps me to hear, does this flow? And especially if it's fiction and dialogue, do you yeah. really say it that way or do you are you writing it one way but that's not really how that's you would say that um so how does how did reading it out loud also help you it helped me out so much especially in terms of dialogue because on paper you tend to write in a very different voice than in how you speak so when i would read it out loud i'm like okay that's not how it is in real life <laughs> i was able to change that to make it more realistic very very cool that is really cool. Now, you mentioned that you're an introvert. Uh, so am I. So I get you. I feel you there. So how was that for you to, to kind of do something really that typically can feel like out of your comfort zone speaking in a public group like that? So it was uncomfortable at first. <laughs> it was very uncomfortable. That's very honest. Good. <laughs> but then I realized that how long am I going to just you know, keep that as an excuse and armor myself up. 
because there are some things that are worth getting over. And this is definitely one of them. You know, if I can share my work out there and if, if it can resonate with even one person, then, you know, I better get over my introverted self. Yeah. And, and, but to me, the introversion is a gift just as well as an extrovert, you know, like to me, the introvert does a lot of that self work. Like you're talking that they kind of can be a little in their head. At least I know I can be, but I think to your point about showing up and talking about your work when you're really passionate about it, just can't help it. And it feels so good to share something you're so excited about. And to your point, you can get over that. You, you want to, because this thing that you're passionate about is greater than the discomfort or greater than the fear that you might've had initially. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't go away. It just means that you keep finding another way and you keep focusing on that passion that you have or that excitement that you have or that why that was so important. Yes, exactly. And it's like on that other side of fear, once you get over that, there's something really beautiful waiting for you. So when I published my book, I got such amazing feedback that some people were saying, you have motivated me to make my own book. And I said, wow, that's, you know. Awesome, that's awesome. That here yeah what other kind of feedback did you get one feedback that i received was that it uh what you wrote was very human and uh i was able to feel your emotions that's powerful and, yeah and as an introvert i always thought that i'm so different and very alien <laughs> and to hear that that you know okay i can you know there's a bridge that we can even though we're so different we all look different we have different cultures and religions, but then there's a human emotion that connects us all. We're very interconnected. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think that we were all made for a reason, you know, and that the world would be a little less bright if we didn't, if we didn't allow our true selves to show and, and let our gifts show that we're given those things for a reason too. So I'm so, so excited that you that you courageously shared your stories and your gifts and, and are willing to talk about them in such a way that, I mean, inspiring other people, you have no idea how much that ripple effect is gonna help someone else, that reader, they might pass it along to someone else. Like you said, someone said, hey, I'm gonna do my book because you did. Sana, that's awesome. That is so awesome. It's what's wonderful is that my daughters, they see me, right? And they're so excited. Uh, my daughter said that, you know, I, I shared with my teacher that you wrote a book and I can't wait for her to read it. So that just sounds really amazing. Oh, I love that. And, you know, even if what you wrote might be necess not necessarily for a younger reader, but if you were able to go into a school visit or something like that and be able to talk about the writing process or the courage to share your stories or to get excited about writing and reading. You, how do you know that that nonfiction book that still might appeal to a younger reader or that teacher in the room and just keep spreading and spreading? Oh my goodness, that would be, ooh. Yeah, exactly. I see opportunities like, here. <laughs> it's like leaving a legacy. Writing yes. a book is really, you know, you're leaving a legacy. That is really cool. What do you, so you mentioned you have some, you have daughters. What do you hope that they see because their mama did this? I hope that 
they know that their voice matters. And, uh, you know, in this world, they have a gift that they can contribute. So I always want them to be confident with their voice and always feel like that they belong. I love that. That is such a beautiful gift. And if that's such a, oh, you're making my eyes water. That's so awesome. <laughs> that is so, so awesome. So what is coming up next for you? What are you working on next if you want to share? Yeah, I'm so excited to share this one uh, because I'm working on a memoir. It, uh, <laughs> I'm so excited to know. You've heard it first here. I'm just saying. Yes. So I'm right. I'm on the first draft. And uh, it's about the time I had lost my first daughter. And uh, it's going to, you know, deep, a deep dive into very difficult emotions like grief. This happened nine years ago. And uh, I'm just happy that I'm at a point where I can write about this. I think that's going to serve so many families. I think that's going to serve so many people because that's just, that's, that I think is beautiful and courageous and how wonderful that you have rainbow babies, that you have, you have little ones to help brighten up that space. And it sounds like your, your daughter who is in heaven is also uh, looking out for her mama to say, it's, it's okay. Yeah. I was here for a reason. My reason is to help you to help others. No, I love that. Oh my gosh. I love that. Um, I cannot wait to read that. <laughs> so I think that that is awesome because that's going to help so many people and your voice, your voice and style will help to show just like in your first book, the compassion and the, the humanness. I have no doubt. Thank you so much, Jennifer. You gave me goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, but I, I do. I genuinely believe that for your essays to have already done that. And when, and so uh, Chai Chats, when did that publish? When did that come out? December 24th of 2020, a day before my 10th year wedding anniversary. <laughs> that is awesome. What a wonderful, like back-to-back -back celebration. Yeah, exactly. So I try to tell my husband, this is my gift to you. <laughs> That is awesome. But the fact that you've done this, you're getting out, you're sharing it, and then you're continuing on this path. I think that that is just absolutely wonderful that you are, you're walking your walk and talking your talk and, and showing exactly what you're following your passion, you're following your heart. That's so, that is inspiring. And I hope that those who are listening or watching are just as inspired to continue on their own path, just like you are. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Oh, absolutely. So Sana, how can people connect with you best? Where can they find you? Well, I have a blog that I write uh, for weekly. It's called sanafeas.com. That's where they can reach me. Excellent, excellent. And, um, uh, and where can people buy this book? They can buy it on Amazon. And it is, I'm, I think you need to say the title one more time, just in case. Yes, it's called Chai Chats, Personal Essays to Fill Your Cup. Sana, you are just such a joy. I am so happy you were on this show. Thank you so much for making the time and sharing such wonderful wisdom and love with, these, with our listeners and viewers today. It was my pleasure, Jennifer. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad you were here and know there were some valuable nuggets shared to keep going, keep writing, and keep sharing your work. I'm a big believer that if you have a book that's in your heart to write, then there's someone else out there who needs to read it. 
Your story needs to be shared, so you have to write it and get it out into the world. Until next time, keep swimming upstream while going with the flow and get your book into the world. To learn more about Tough Fish and jump into the pond, visit jennifermilius.com forward slash tough fish.